Hey everybody. Hey. It's Tiki. And Walter. And we're back with some more stories. Because it is the month of Halloween. We are going to read another one of our listeners' stories, followed by a couple more stories about Halloween, I guess. Oh, is that what you were doing on you it on Halloween ghost stories? I mean, well, let me hold on. Let me go to the bottom of this laptop and see what today's date is. I understand that it's, it's no, say October 9th. That's great, but it's the whole month of October, I, like they yeah, do. But I the, feel like Halloween stories would be told on. No, it's going to be told the whole month of October. Thanks, thank you guys. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Okay, so let's so let's get started. Let's get right on in, because we have one of our followers. Okay, one of our listeners sent a story. Her name is Emily. So she says, hopefully this is the Tiki Woodard from True Ghosts by Real People, which it is. Hi. That's so ghetto, huh? (laughs) I too grew up in a haunted house, but stories I'm about to but stories I'm about to share happen where I used to work. I used to clean a building called Rainbow Rehab at night. It wasn't, and it would sound so nice, wouldn't it? it? it Rainbow did. Rehab. It did that sound like something I would engage in. Like I would be like, <clears throat> if I had to choose, if it was something else between Rainbow Rehab, I'm going to choose Rainbow Rehab. It just sounds fun, like you're going on trips. Wait, rehab, like like a rehabilitation center for like sick elderly. People? Listen, Rainbow Rehab just caught me. Rainbow just caught me. Uh, that's funny because rehab caught me. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we see where our minds are. Right. So, Rainbow, yeah, you're dark. I'm light. Rainbow rehab at night. It was an outpatient facility for people with brain injuries. See? just the, That's all I was asking. See? Which one was it? Because they just throw the oh, word Oh, so that's on like them 51st those... dates? Yeah. Cause okay, I could do that. Yeah, and know, that don't sound... It wasn't too bad. Going around the word rehab. It should be rehabilitation when it's regular. And then when it's like that junkie itch, it should be rehab. <laughs> okay. So at first, nothing really happened until my co-worker was let go and I was there by myself. It's, yeah, it's, it started off with little things like when you walked into the office area, you could have sworn you could hear someone moving around in the next set of cubicles over but there would be nobody in the room. There was only one in and out, and they would have had to walk past me. I put this off as having having an overactive imagination and being freaked out about being in the building alone at night. Or rather, that's what I told myself. Then one night, I was finishing getting ready to go. I'm turning off lights in hallways and rooms as I go. Now, I always parked in the side parking lot and went through the side door because the backing lot was surrounded by trees and was pretty dark. But I had to leave through the back door because I had to set the alarm, and that's where the keypad was for the alarm. So I'm walking down the back hallway towards the door, and I hear footsteps running running up behind me. It stopped right behind me, so I jumped, turned around, expecting to be tackled to the ground or someone was going to be right there in my face, but there was nobody there. Pause. Right there, I would have had a heart attack. 
It's no way you can hear it. Like, you can imagine hearing somebody running behind you, like running up behind you. You can hear the feet and everything just running. And then you just expecting, oh, my God, because you know it ain't nobody else there, so it ain't no coworker. So you just think automatically this is it. And then you turn around and nothing is there. Man, if I if I, I didn't know. glimmer, shift, shape, whatever into my car at that moment, yeah, and I would I, do it, <laughs> and I would do it because I don't know who's there. <laughs> and quite honestly, I don't care if the patients were there alone by themselves, and I was the only person there available. <laughs> I'm leaving. She was leaving. She was going to the parking lot. She was. Oh, the- now I'm going back inside because somebody got to walk me to the parking lot. <laughs> I need you to put no, me in my car. No, not even walk me to park. I need a whole escort going. Oh uh, yeah, I, want, I need. I'm calling because I know something just I'll happened. I'm in that car there, like I'm drunk. Give me that. Like you drunk? I'm calling Uber. Uber, yeah. Somebody got to witness somebody this with me. Come pick me somebody up. come no, look at no, this. I don't want you to get in my. I don't want to get in my car because I don't want you. If you running up behind me, that means you follow me, and I don't need you to see which car I get in. I feel like sometimes ghosts be perverts. Like, you, if you, I can see, you, I, I can't see you, but you can see me, and you running up behind me. How do I know when you stop following? I, just because you stop making it, the noise behind me, don't mean you actually left. But you know what? You it, follow it, me all the way to my it car. Don't, and it, it don't always have to mean that. It could mean that could be a residual. Like that could be something that they were maybe one of the patients at one time tried to get away. Like you know, like one of a constant, like a patient that was constantly trying to you know get away or just went crazy. Time. They're there for brain injuries. You never know what kind of stuff behind closed doors really goes down. Right. Because if they was doing it back in the day, I'm pretty. Pretty sure they're still doing it now. They're doing shock therapy. They're doing the well, they, underwater no, that, thing. That's well known. It's just not torture now. You can get yeah, a little, but I'm saying you how, you know, shock. how you or how you know that ground period. I don't care for all of these. Um, you know, trying to make it better that you're doing. I'm not. It ran up. I'm just saying her. maybe like. I, don't I can't know. think of it no other way. It was a pervert. How do we gonna be? You was gonna do something to me. That's the only. That's the only reason you would be running up behind me. People don't just run up behind you for nothing. Okay, (laughs) they grab you. (laughs) 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 That is not funny. That's what they people do when they run up behind you. Like I'm pretty sure she had turned around and had been a full grown human. Okay, she great flipped the fuck out, scream because what was you doing running up behind me? Right. And then I turn around and it's nothing. That's worse than it being a human. Yeah, that is worse. Cause then you're thinking, am I losing my damn mind? I know. That's making you fuck with your whole psyche because that also makes you question yourself. Like you sitting back, now I done been in here with these people all day. Now, no, am I tripping? You, not if you know damn well you ain't crazy. You one of them type people that feel like, oh, I'm losing my mind. I do be thinking nah, that first. Man. I do be thinking that I know first. Damn well, I'm not crazy. Somebody was running up behind me. He was gonna pull me into the shadows. Finish the story. That's ridiculous. So okay, I know. Okay, so she stopped. Okay, but there was nobody there. Okay, I know. I said that I turned off the lights, but there are emergency lights that stay on all the time, so I could see clearly that there was nobody in the building. So I kind of jump again and look around, me trying to figure out what was happening. These were hardwood floors, and the sound of someone running on the hardwood floor is a distinct sound. It is. It's like they're speed racing. You know, and it's hard. I don't like that sound. I don't like that sound. That's the same sound you get in, the, like, when you hear in scary movies when they're walking down a hall by themselves, and then you start hearing them feet yeah. stepping behind them. I don't like that sound. 
So it wasn't the pipes or the building settling. Now I am so scared, but don't want to take off running and put myself into full panic mode and hear the echo of my footsteps running and thinking something is still chasing me. So I simply turned back around, walked to the door, set the alarm, locked the door and left. It took everything I had not to run to my car. And since I parked on the side, I had to walk around the building to get to my car. Once I did get to my car, I made sure not to look back at the building because I was afraid that I would see something standing at standing looking at me. Hope you enjoyed my story. <clears throat> we sure I did. did enjoy it. I did. And the crazy part is Thank you for that. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I just don't understand like it's no way in hell that I would have even walked around the building. Oh, now I'm definitely scared of walking out the front door. After hearing that, and then I'm going to walk around the building. You bolder than me, Emily. You bolder than me. Because somebody, either it's going to be the supervisor, the manager, some co-workers, the police, the fire department, the emergency department, somebody, one of them patients, I don't care. At this point, I quit. So you come on with your brain injury. I'll push you out. And I'm That's wrong. No. Because I'm never coming back. It's no way. I'll, I'd be too freaked out after that. Because then I, they would again. send me on assignments to go walk down this hot hall. No. I'm looking behind my back. It's too... That's mm-mm. another reason I never wanted to nurse. Like late night at a hospital and you all alone on the floor. Maybe one other nurse with you and she in there with a patient and you alone. You turn around and it's just somebody standing there. They look like a patient and you go to help them. They and just, it ain't a patient. They just fade away. Yeah, I always I like hospitals. Key card, everything. Because you can imagine. I lost that job. Imagine the things that go on at Christiana and St. Francis. Oh, These I are the hospitals in Delaware where we live. But like, Keep imagine <coughs> Christiana Hospital. Christiana is the no, biggest they, one. Christiana never really got me. St. Francis got me. Yeah. Because I know it had Because it's nuns. Nuns, Saint- nuns creep me out. I'm sorry. They get me. Even the live ones. The live nuns. Yeah, even live ones. <laughs> like they, they me. Like nuns all did just walking. What you mean live ones? I mean even the ones that are alive. So you seen mostly dead nuns walking around? No, I'm saying even live nuns scare me. It, it don't, they don't oh, you talking about the ones that just be walking yeah, around normal? Ghosts. Like I'm just scared of nuns, period. So if I see a dead nun, yikes. Wow. I would like I feel like my soul would jump out my body like a cartoon <laughs> and run ahead of me. Why would you say that? Because if you seen it like certain stuff just it gives me the shivers. It gives me the shivers. Certain things. I feel you on that. Cause certain sh- like, you know what gives me the shivers? And this is real, but as morbid as I am, you would think why walking into a funeral. And I don't care whose funeral it is. I don't care how excited, how how sad, how happy, how anything. Anybody, it's walking into a funeral, period. It's like, it gives me like, I'd be it's a about fear. You it's a fear of not, it's like walking up to the casket. It's a fear that they're going to open their eyes. Like right. I've always had a fear of that because. I've had dreams like that. Where you standing over the dead body and he just pop open mm-hmm. and peek over at you. Don't do that. Cause I, and I've heard stories very seldom, but I've heard the stories body can, of bodies. But they don't. I think they. I think they sew them now. Mm. I think they sew your eyelids. 
Do they sew your eyelids shut? I think they do. Because some people, I mean, why is it that some people, not to go off subject, but why is it that some people, when they having their funeral, like when you see them in different countries, they look like that. They look like, like you see them all bruised up, like as if they didn't even bother to clean it. If it's an accident. Everybody don't do that. Everybody don't fiddle around with nobody. Like, I think some people just, some stuff just ought not be dead. Like, I get that you're supposed to preserve that body with embalming fluid and all that, but I feel like to be a mortician and all that, that that's necrophilia. <laughs> you, you always say it's something you, crazy. Like, you I swear. into something like, strange. Like, you can't never just, like... Certain, like, everything. I feel like that about everything. Like, the diseases that we discover from, you know, when the doctors used to have to sneak dead bodies to to perform surgeries on so that we could advance medicine. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's good now, but at the time I'm with them people. Cert- like certain doctors that die for the for medicine, they they got what was coming to them. You shouldn't have been touch doing that. That's a pervert. Playing around with that dead body. <laughs> like what this, this wow. ain't no it's not a dead ant or like a scorpion you fell you found and laying around. He was like, you Oh shit, look at this dead snake. Bodies, Let's that, play with that, it with that a stick. Family members look nice. I don't care about that. What's wrong with a family? You ought not look nice. That's what You're I dead. understand. Like some I, I have seen some bodies like where When I die, in, don't let them do that to accidents me. and they just like put them on the casket like that's like, just, just what like i want that. you to do to me with the accident with the blood still like i'm no, looking at I, them, no, like, I ain't never seen none of that I, I will show you it's like the girl had a whole scar over here and that's then they too didn't much. try to fix it or nothing well don't do that then let me let me them things up their nose what's that white things that they be plugs why see did not tell you that's how pop that's how um some of them voodoo gods appear to you with the what you call it? Stuff for I've seen nose. a couple little girls with them in their nose. What does that mean? I, I don't know why they do it, but it's That's done. That's crazy. That's weird to me. I will never know because I'm not a necrophiliac. <laughs> I'm not into dead people. That's a that's a corpse. Come on, man. That's it's go. a stiff. All right. And to sit in that morgue and dress that stiff up, paint up its face, wash it. You is a dirty person. You, what is you doing? You that sound person crazy. completely. I don't, but, I don't agree with that. They gotta wash them off. They be completely butt ass naked. I don't naked. agree with that. I'm not. I don't agree with that. I, I agree with people wanting to look for their family to look nice. I'm doing telling you right now, when I die, I don't want to look nice. Well, you is. So I don't want nobody looking at me naked that I ain't agree to. Let you me got be this. You got let this. Let me be in there with them. You got, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't want you to see me naked. <laughs> so whatever I die, however I die. You have them, you have them, um, cut them clothes off me and quickly cover me up. You understand? You know, when you're underneath that sheet, mm. from that sheet, I want them to dress me. Do not remove the sheet. <laughs> you know where people's legs go and where their arms go. Do not undress me. None of that. You, I don't think that you can even what lift a dead person's on? arms up. Now, what do you have going on? Just, it's what I want. Because mm. that's perverted. Fiddling around with some corpse. Okay, can we move on? Because you off the hook. I swear so I this place I'm here going. is called Sloss Furnaces in Birmingham, it's Alabama. It's called what? Sloss Furnaces. That sounds too close to Slaughterhouse. <laughs> it sounds almost like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so I won't like be it, going there. It just look crazy. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's in Birmingham, Alabama. No. So, Birmingham, Alabama was founded in 1871, five years after the Civil War. And with it, the need for tons of pig iron to fix America's crumbling infractures to satisfy the demand. 
Colonel James Withers Sloss started construction on Sloss furnaces. A year later, the company opened its doors to hundreds of employees, according to its official website. Although working on blast furnaces was an advanced job, it was also dangerous. That danger was soon realized as many workers started being incinerated in the furnaces and falling to their deaths. What? Incinerated. They said you would be killed along with this. You will be incinerated along with the items you have hidden in your ass. <laughs> that is not funny. Yeah, that was so funny. <clears throat> oh, my gosh. So conditions only worsened in the early 1900s. <clears throat> Excuse you know, me. I, let me stop you just for a quick second to detour right back to that. If you died in that incinerator, that is your own business. Because there's no way in hell that I'm going to put myself, I don't care what you're paying. You do it. Do you see that that's fire? What and is that? clearly, a blast furnace. I don't know what it looks like, and I don't know how to work one, and I wouldn't learn. <laughs> so, you told me I could die. I don't think maybe they said. What that you paying me? Because it, it got to be, it got to be seventy, eighty dollars an hour. They said it was advanced. I don't know. Probably back in the nineteen hundreds, it probably was a lot. That's when men was desperate to prove they was providers. Okay, You'd take so. anything you could get. Nobody doing that in 2019. If you don't got a machine that could do that shit, you beat. We must don't need it that bad. Because <laughs> ain't nobody really missing a So anyway, conditions only worsened in the early 1900s after a cruel foreman, James Slag, what's his name, Wormwood, took a job as lost according to Reader's Digest. Wormwood took dangerous risks in order to increase production. As a result, nearly 50 employees died on site, and many were involved in terrible accidents during his tenure. And that nigga ain't give a fuck. You could tell with a name like Wormwood. <laughs> Sounds like a professor at Hogwarts <laughs> who don't play. You taking Professor Wormwood's course this semester? They do sound like Harry Potter. Now, allegedly, in retaliation, his workers tossed him into the furnace in 1906. <laughs> Why would you laugh? Why would you laugh like that? Why would you... Uh, everybody Why would don't you... play. <laughs> so you got me fucked up. Oh, you cute? Why would you How about a taste of the furnace for you, old Wormwood? Mm. That's, that's Gathered weird. around and tossed him, cleaning that bitch. So... And he went in without kicking and screaming. That's a hot furnace. If you don't fight for your life, I'm taking somebody's eyes with me. I don't give a fuck what I got to do. I will literally attach all 30, uh, all 30 some odd teeth in my mouth to your nose and pull off and chew. Wow. That's a furnace. You got to. So they said you can still go to the grounds. And if you dare while you're there, you might you might hear him saying I'm um, telling his employees to get back to work. That's some real shit. Imagine hearing that. Along with other paranormal occurrences. I guess move back to work. <laughs> it don't even work. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, the crying lady in the Dakota, New York. <clears throat> the crying lady in the Dakota, New York, New York. I never heard about the crying lady. I never liked crying ladies. And you want to move to New York. I still do. So the, the Dakota, an apartment building in New York City, knows not to move there. Has been It's home. called the Dakota? Mm-hmm has been home to many rich and famous residents since opened back in 1884. John Lennon and Yoko Ono moved into the building in 1973, and John was also assassinated outside the structure on December 8, 1980. Before his death, John claimed he saw a crying lady ghost roaming the halls. 
Then after John died, Yoko, who still lives in the building, says she witnessed John's ghost sitting at his piano. Yoko says John told her, don't be afraid, I am still with you. Mm. That's sweet. So, here we go, the Bell Witch, Adams, Tennessee. Okay. So, way back in the early 1800s, a man named John Bell moved into moved his family to an area in Tennessee called Red River, which is no, now known as Adams, Tennessee. <clears throat> After they had settled in the new home, some peculiar things started happening. The Bell family began hearing some bizarre noises, including dogs barking, chains rattling, rats chewing, and a woman whispering. Soon, that woman became known as the Bell Witch, and many people believe she's the ghost of a former neighbor of the Bells, Kate Batts. Batts the Bells had a dispute over land, and she had sworn vengeance on the on the Bell family before she died. Later on, Bell died from poisoning, and it's rumored to be the work of the Bell Witch. Mm. So this is the ghost of the Crescent Hotel. In Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Spending the night in the Haunted Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, which opened in 1886, <clears throat> during construction, a worker named Michael was killed and his ghost reportedly still haunts room 218. The hotel came under the ownership of known medical fraud Norman Baker in 1937, who fancied himself a doctor. He turned the hotel into the Baker Cancer Hospital, claiming to have the cure for the disease. He did not, obviously. Patients who died under his care were buried right in the hotel's basement, which served as a makeshift morgue. He was arrested in 1940, but his patient's spirits are still are said to still remain, since the hotel is still open. Guests often say they see apparitions and hear noises during their stays. Mm. Wow, he said he just gonna open up his own. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, this he man, took he took it by himself to become a doctor. Hit his head, open up his own. How the hell That's did bold. he do any of that? With I, what, what papers did he must have really? Bold. And really had I mean, well, people in there. It was the olden days. Yeah, I told you this was the time where you could rob a bank and ride off and tell them the Petey Squalor gang did it. <laughs> It'd be all over the newspapers. Petey Swaller Gang did it. Peter's Petey Swaller Gang robs local bank, getting away with thirty, some odd something in gold. <laughs> in gold. <laughs> okay, look. This one is called Hugging Molly. Nope. Abbeville, Alabama. There's some crazy stuff down there. Is it a place called Hugging Molly? It's the best to stay home when the sun sets in Abbeville, Alabama. If you want to avoid hugging Molly's chilly embrace. Let me tell you something. In a place called, what, say the name again? Hugging Molly. Not, not that, the name of the town. Abbeville. First off, and it's in Alabama. <laughs> My black ass ain't too worried about hugging Molly. Let's just be real. It is best to stay home when you're of this persuasion. When you're a brown-skinned girl or perhaps guy, you better have your ass in at eight in Abbeville. <laughs> That sounds like it's too deep down south. Can you stop? Don't look like they want you out. 
So it says, if you want to mileage, as the legend goes, beginning in the early 1900s, an oversized figure clad in all black began roaming the streets at night looking for unsuspected victims. She was been there. That's why we should have listened to the Native Americans. She was been there. You don't know what that is. Because that, that don't be ghosts. That's a fucking monster. You understand? That's something from the deep, like the Wendigo or some shit like that. Something it, that's been here. It said once she fixates on someone, she hugs the person and screams ever so loudly into their ears. Many people have recounted stories of being chased by what they believe was hugging Molly. I'm going to look this up. Bro. <clears throat> Local parents <laughs> have even taken advantage of the story to keep their children in line. The town embraces its nighttime warden. Proudly calling itself the home of Hugging Molly. There's even a family-friendly restaurant named after her. It's sick because I'm the type of person who would think about going there and driving around at night just to see do I see her getting out my car and walking, but I know I won't do it. So you don't die? She's just hugging, screaming in your ear, hugging you? Yeah, that's going to piss me off. I mean, get on in the house. That's Yeah, you can keep me in. You ain't got the... Again, you you never had to worry about... Copper tone being outside. Wow, has anybody, if we have any listeners from Alabama, what is this with this hugging Molly? I ain't never heard of no hugging Molly. If that's a demon. You, that'd be the first thing you are. Certain stuff, like, is, is older than, than the civilizations we build, the cities we build, the towns we build. It'd be certain stuff that has been here mm. when there, when it wasn't no, when it was all woods and crystal clear springs and lakes. You know when the Native Americans had it before we started colonizing shit. Tearing mm-hmm. down woods and shit. Breaking forests apart. Yeah, that this is, is like stuff that has go, been right? here. Yeah. Any two times. Th- that's not a ghost. A ghost is somebody that's lived. They didn't moved on. They passed on. That's It's not a specter. This bitch is running up on people. <laughs> and giving them a hug while screaming in their ear. Hey, that's... that's I, I don't know the point. What's the point? What she do? What is she doing? There's a point to this. I don't know. Like you don't, you don't, you're not I'm just hugging deeper. me and screaming in my ear deeper. for the sake of it. What are you taking from me definitely going, during that embrace? We definitely going to do the next one about that because I need to know. I feel like during that embrace, she's stealing something, and you can't hug me. <laughs> like, and I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not a runner, not for very long. Like I can sprint because my legs is long, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not, no, I'm not in shape. So you, I might get maybe five minutes down the road, and yeah, then well, it's gonna catch up. It's gonna catch up to me, <laughs> like a cheetah, and I'ma slowly break down. So I'm not running from the jump. How? Where's you? Where's you not? Interested? What I'm saying is I can't run for very long. I can't. I can. I gotta. I can do the. You know the, the the spurt. Like I might. I can dip real quick, and then after a while I hit a wall. Like I'm not a runner. Like you know how motherfuckers go. What's it called? Cross cross, cross country. country. Yeah, you know how they can run. I'm not. I don't have it in me for very long, so I'm not running from junk. Right. And for real, for real, depending upon how you look, I, 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 I'ma hit you. If you can touch me, that means I can touch you, and I'm going to swing. Mm. I don't want a hug. <laughs> is you goofy? <laughs> so this place right here is called the Surrency House Ghost, Surrency, Georgia. The Surrency Clan began experiencing paranormal activities in present day. Surrency, Georgia, in the the 1870s. Family members reported witnessing objects soaring across rooms, hearing laughter and crying, excuse me, and seeing red eyes staring into the house. Food was thrown from their plates and utensils twisted into unusable shapes. 
The townspeople speculated that these occurrences were cries for help from spirits who thought the family would be able to save them. On the day the family decided to finally leave the house, a fire iron allegedly floated up and started hitting one of the sons on the head. No one was ever brave enough to live in the house again, and the building went up in flames in 1925. Mm. Wow, just beat him in his head. So, the ghost of Bellamy Bridge, and this is in Mariana, Florida. Oh, that bridge looks crazy. Look, I wouldn't even play there. I wouldn't even go there if, if I was a child. That just looked like something is in there. For a taste of true haunting love, travel over this spooky bridge in Mariana, Florida which has several ghost legends surrounding the structure. According to its official website in the 1830s, Elizabeth Jane Croom Bellamy married local politician Dr. Samuel C. Bellamy. <clears throat> on their wedding night, her dress accidentally caught on fire, which covered the young bride in horrible burns. She initially survived, but eventually passed away. Elizabeth was buried along the banks of the Chipola River, and it was said that her love for her husband was so strong she couldn't rest. The deceased newlywed dressed in white can allegedly be seen wandering the banks from the vintage points of the bridge, which was built after she died. It is said that she appears on fire, walking either, either walking through the swamps or diving straight into the river, as if to douse the flames or somberly walking along the side of the river. <clears throat> That's kind of sad. That is real sad on her wedding day. And then it catch on fire. How did she catch on fire? Uh. Mm -mm -mm. The Ghost of Deer Island. And this is in Biloxi, Mississippi. Back in 1920, May 20th, 1922, Anthony Ragason, a.k.a. Mr. Tony, relayed his tale in a column in the Sun Herald. He writes that in the early 1800s, two fishermen spent the night on Deer Island off Biloxi's coast. They heard noises that they ignored until it became impossible to do so. When they went to see what was causing the ruckus, they claimed they found a headless skeleton that ran after the pair. They immediately made a beeline for their boat and got off the island immediately. It is said that the bony frame belonged to a pirate who had his head chopped off by his captain and his body was left behind in a ghastly guard to watch over buried treasure. What? So it's buried treasure around there. He ain't doing that for nothing. He ain't doing... If that man did that, he did... He be, the per, the, pirate, the captain cut his head off and in hopes that he will keep away people that can easily get his buried treasure, correct? Oh, he cut his own head off? He cut, he cut his seamen's, um, his, you know, the boy with him. Cause he oh, was his, the, um... The boy whose head got cut... His second? Yeah, because I guess the captain chopped his head off. He to, was a pirate. To ensure that his soul would stay there. And he buried him. Along with it. Yeah, to keep to people it. from stealing his treasures. That's his witchcraft. treasures on that That's island. That's witchcraft. And I believe it. And he will protect that treasure. That, yeah, that's why he they they ran off that island. I'm not going nowhere, not without that treasure, brother. <laughs> you is dead. You know I you lying. People know you lying. People I'm, done I'm already dead. heard you say that all this if stuff. If I'm already there, I ain't going nowhere without the treasure. He's I'm saying the that person died for the treasure. No, he won't. You already y'all already know. They already I'm heard the first you. First one off that island. <laughs> I'm telling you, I wish somebody would try to stay for the treasure. Fuck that treasure. <laughs> I ain't came here with no treasures. Wow. I'm leaving with my life. <laughs> Life is a treasure. 
Right? <laughs> no, but if I had a map and I knew right where it was, and like I'm digging and I and I see the treasure like Goonie style, mm-hmm. I, you can run around this bitch with a chicken like it, like like a chicken with your head cut off. I'm not going nowhere. And that is true because she's going, I'm going to turn right into a scary movie. It's just a skeleton. I kick you right apart. You don't, I don't even care. got no head. Leave. And that's the crazy I can't part. leave all this treasure here. I need something. Something. I'm, I have. I live a hard life. I just life. feel like now if you do that, you take that, it's going to come in. Who hey, don't has? Me. I get, I, you thought I was keeping it? I'm going to get the money. <laughs> I was selling that treasure as soon as I got back. <laughs> so it's, gonna be going it's not my the... problem. It's so... the museum's problem. Whoever Whoever bought it. That's the collector's problem. It's not mine. I got your money. You can have that fool's gold. <laughs> so, okay, this next one is Zombie Road in Wildwood, Missouri. Zombie Road. You should like that. No, I, I, I shouldn't. You hear that? And the fact that people people get on roads named stuff like this. I'm not even riding on the when road When I like see that. signs like that with eyeball names, I will get off of that road. Mm-hmm. Turn right around. Why am I on a, Why am I on Zombie Road? I'm sorry. What is this? Scooby Doo? Am I in the mystery van? <laughs> going to find out like a like, come on, going to find out who who who's haunting old man's bluff? No. Oh, come I, on. I don't need to. I don't need. I don't want to see the town that that's away from Zombie Road. Okay. So outside, outside of St. Louis, lies as lies Zombie Road, a hotbed of ghostly activities. There are many scary stories stemming from Lawyer Ford Road, its actual name, from sightings of Native American spirits wandering the stretch to victims of train accidents mm. that are used to be, there used to be an active tracks there, like Della Hamilton McCullough, who was struck by a passing train in the 1950s. It became a popular late night teen hangout spot with various murders happening in the area too. It's also been rumored to be the home base of a murderer named Zombie who escaped a mental as- asylum. These days, the stretch has been re- rechristened as a nature trail, but it's closed once night falls with hefty fines for those who dare to trespass. That means stay the hell out of here come nighttime. Because if it wasn't that serious, they not putting no hefty fine. That's you playing around with your life. Why are you charging me? For taking a risk. I'm not going to be even going there. Serious. I'm not even going on that trail. And if you do go on the trail, I'm going. I'm not going on the trail. I've always been scared in, to go I don't on go trails, to trails anyway. After Blair Witch, I just yeah, don't, I don't like it. I, me because of the uh, because of Sasquatch. So you I don't see do that. No you type always of wanted to see Bigfoot. Why do you say? I that? don't do no type of trails. What am I gonna do? But scream and agitate. No, if you don't mess with Bigfoot, he seemed to run away. You think that I'm just gonna spot Bigfoot and he gonna trot off and I'm not gonna trot with him? (laughs) Cause I got to make sure I'm not tripping. (laughs) So I know I got to. There's only one way to control myself, and that's not to see you at all. Well, this next one is called Dead Woman's Crossing in Weatherford, Oklahoma. This one's a regular murder mystery turned ghost story. In the early 1900s in Weatherford, Oklahoma, Katie DeWitt James left her home with her baby after she filed for divorce from her husband. She planned to move in with her cousin, but her family never heard from her. The husband did it. After an investigation, it turned out that she moved in with local prostitute, Franny Norton. She was last seen leaving the house with Franny and her child in a carriage. Franny returned with the child, who was covered in blood, but without Katie. 
Her body was found later along a nearby creek with her head cut off. Franny wow. did it. You don't know who did it. You just said, where hit women. How you going to come back with my baby? It was rumored that her ex-husband had, had her killed with Franny's help. But Franny claimed she wasn't involved in Katie's death. But on the day she was supposed to be questioned by the police, she poisoned herself. Katie's still around, though. She allegedly appears as a blue light floating around town. And people have reported hearing a woman looking for her baby and the rolling sound of wheels. I always hated those type of stories. Like, I feel like you need to be told. That baby been waiting on you. Well, here we go. The Myrtle's Plantation. Everybody should know about they this. always shall come up. Skip it. We don't do Myrtles. I want to do Myrtles just because I love Myrtles. This is my favorite. We didn't get there yet. Go ahead. So on the numerous um, spirit hauntings that plantations built. Um, well, how they wrote this? Of the numerous spirits haunt, hauntings, this plantation built in nineteen in, in 1796 is in St. Francisville, Louisiana. The most known entity is Chloe. According to the official website, it is that it is said that pla- what is wrong with me? It is said that plantation owner Clark Woodruff carried on an affair with his slave Chloe, mm. which he ended abruptly. She began to eavesdrop on his conversations and he caught her. Mm. As punishment, he cut her ear off. She then poisoned the rest of his family with a birthday cake, leaving him alone. The other slaves knew that she had done and ha- what she had done and, ha- and hanged her. She supposedly still remains on the property, though there is a photograph from 1992 where her spirit is reported. Visible. You see, I told you to skip it. Now, you must rev up for the rant. How in the hell did anybody know that she had poisoned anybody? That was speculation. Because this is a time when you couldn't test for shit. Huh? Wasn't no forensics. I didn't do anything. I don't know how. Probably because she told somebody. You seen they said the rest of the slaves knew what she had done. And then they, that's the problem with us now. You're going to take upon yourself to uh, justify a murder that didn't happen to you or your family. Yep. Then y'all supposed to be my folks. For real, for real. Mm. Don't, you don't ever go against me. <laughs> and we all in the same situation. You ought not care if I poisoned everybody in that man. We slaves. <laughs> we ain't free people that's out here just killing. <laughs> Fuck. If I did it, better believe I had my reasons. <laughs> okay, that was, yeah, she had her reasons because he was, what, he was raping her? Then gonna cut off my ear. How dare you? How dare you? Mm, that is, that is wrong. Like, he said, you ain't listening to another thing. Like, that, and then you want to lay up with me? Okay. No, never again, sir. Surprise. Cut off my other one. <laughs> the fight that I wasn't putting up, now I am. Yeah. Ow! You're hurting me. <laughs> okay. It hurts. Yeah, I'm going to be loud so your wife can find out. And be extra shit. I'm talking about the entire time, dead in your ear. Ow. It's hurting me. (laughs) Like, real extra. (laughs) Just to be an asshole. I will ruin the mood. It hurts. Stop. So this place is the Velisca Axe Murder House. Velisca, Iowa. I ain't never heard of people it. go any fucking way. So on June tenth, nineteen twelve, Josiah and Sarah Moore were bludgeoned to death inside of their home and <laughs> the, What are you laughing for? What the hell? Pause, 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 pause. It's certain words that tickle the shit out of me and bludgeoned is on the list. <laughs> bludgeoned. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, listen to it. How ridiculous does that sound? You can't say. Yo, you really would laugh like that? Why they can't? Because just, that's somebody's family. Really, why that they was can't bludgeoned. say something And it's else. other people's family that was bludgeoned to death. Like, why are you laughing at that word? That is so fucking sick. And you're going to do it on the show. It's... <coughs> It is not It's not the murder It's the word Bludgeon (laughs) It tickles me That doesn't make no sense I'm really trying to find the humor out of bludgeon Bludgeon Stop (laughs) I'm really trying to say bludgeon Bludgeon Is that funny? Bludgeon Bludgeon I'm sorry. Yo, that is crazy. I'm sorry. So that mean they say if I got bludgeoned today, you would laugh. Walter, your mom just been bludgeoned to death. <laughs> That's not even. I would cry while I was laughing. Like it would go from laughing to hysterical crying. But bludgeon, don't don't do that. Wow. You would. That's how you would. Like, they would think you did it, and it took time. You sit in their face, and they and say, "Until until Walter. the reality set in, then I think that you better uncuff me and find my mama's murderer, <laughs> or we'll all be bludgeoned." Fuck <laughs> you. Now get back to 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 Josiah and his wife. Oh my God, that's crazy. So, where was we at? Because that was just me. Okay, I'm not even gonna read that part no more. To death. Inside their home. That's not even funny either. Of their home in Villisca, Iowa. Their four children and two friends who were spending the night were also killed. Wow. Their four children and two friends. No, somebody great. Give me retribution for my child that stayed the night. That's why you can't. That's why I don't let. That's why I don't let my kids really stay. I never really let my kids stay the night over other people's house unless I really knew them. Like, I don't care nothing about you talking about that's your friend from school. If I don't know her parents personally. Well, I wouldn't let my child go to nobody's house if I did know you. And Matilda, mama sent him to his brother's, to her brother's house. Her baby didn't come home. Mm, that's you true. can't send nobody nowhere. That Keep is. your child in your custody. <laughs> so, but that's sad. Their friends, too, were spend, they were spending the night and they were also killed. And to this day, the, cr- the, crime, the crime remains a mystery. Mm. It remains a mystery. Wow. How ain't nobody found out that murder? No, it's a... It, Look, we ain't going to do this Halloween or this Halloween month is that. Don't read me no story that don't have... N- this is real ghost stories by real people. I don't want to hear about no... That weird stuff that you into where it's just murders. <laughs> that's not scary. That's That's reality. <laughs> Yo, that is not even what's going don't, on. Don't don't do that again. Just they were bludgeoned, and that's that. And how and nobody knows the killer. The hell, you might as well have told me about the Zodiac killer. <laughs> that's a mystery. The world. Yo, stop. Okay, that's not even. Funny. I'm looking for ghost. I was saying that. Hold on, I gotta say it the, the strong way. Ghosts. Don't do that. With the extra ghost. S. <laughs> That's the right way, though. Ghost. But I hate it. I don't like when people do that. Ghosts. <laughs> that's what that means? Yes, that, that, ghosts. That's that little S? Ghosts. Yeah, I don't like that. So stop. Ghosts. Okay. Come on. This ghost is the ghost of Lavinia Fisher, Charleston, Tennessee. They great ruined that because I know a pastor, Lavinia. 
Okay, so many myths surround the legend of Lavinia Fisher. A 19th century Charleston woman convicted for highway robbery and hung just off Meeting Street. Hold on, what's highway robbery? I guess she was robbing people on the highway, acting like a car broke and then when, I don't know, I guess. Is, is that what that is means? Is that serious, that she had to be hung? I guess back in the 19th centuries, they don't play that. Damn. You a woman and you stealing? It <laughs> <laughs> said you got the audacity. Yes. You out here robbing men? Yes. I ain't play that. Burn her. <laughs> <laughs> no, and they hung her. And hung her just off of Meeting Street. Some claim she was America's first female serial killer. Oh. Based on speculation that she and her husband would lure travelers to their inn, slip poison in their tea, steal their belongings, carry their bodies out back. However, her and her husband actually belonged to a band of highway thieves and was never accused of serial murder. Still, the details surrounding her death are chilling. Believing that she would be pardoned up until the moment she was hung, Lavinia, according to a legend, used her last breath to scream, If you have a message you want to send to hell, give it to me and I'll carry it. Her ghost still haunts the old Charleston jailhouse, and tourists still claim sightings of her ghostly apparition. I'm trying to figure out. And she meant that. She okay, said she'll carry it. If you was not a serial killer, and all you did was take some money, why would you agree to deliver a message to Satan? That means that you have done some things in your life <laughs> that's going to lead you to hell. Mm. And not like regular hell because I don't feel like Satan is in like you know the regular part of hell he's not hanging she out she said I'm the, not like a kuma <laughs> but like the the lower class part of hell that's what you think so you out here delivering messages that mean you going to a deeper darker part of hell you's a wild woman Lavendia <laughs> shoot you got to be that time to be riding hard like that with me Probably was drinking beers, puffing the cigars with these dudes playing cards. You out here robbing the highway. It was her and her man. That's probably like Bonnie and Clyde. She Mm -hmm. was riding out with him, man. That's still crazy. She's better than me because all you had to do, this was the time when y'all was thought of as the weaker sex. I was going to give every kind of show, okay? I didn't want to do none of this. Damn. He talked me into it. (laughs) Slap myself around a little bit, ruffle my hair before the cops take us in. Oh, I'm the victim. <laughs> okay. All of y'all are hanging while I stand by and cry. Get him. Okay. Tell him you, you did everything to me. Yes, you got to self-preservation. Wow. You got to, you got to do what... If, if you're running from an alligator and the person beside you is not your family member, trip them. <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> I can't die like that. <laughs> Certain ways I just won't die. So, like on Snakes on a Plane, when he threw that woman's dog. He should have thrown her. Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> if she would have had a problem with that dog, I would have told her, you're next. If you don't get out of my damn face. <laughs> we on this, in the middle of this contraption. There's all these planes, all these fucking snakes, and we in the air. You know I'd have died. Oh, I would have already had a heart attack earlier. They yep, you do it anyway. You right out of there from fear itself. Like, <laughs> that would have knocked you, Loopy. You know it. Maybe you, you'll wake up when the plane actually <laughs> land. You'll be safe. All them snakes just slithering around. You they ain't bit you or nothing because you is out. You know I am. You wake up. And I would live to tell the story of how I slept. How I, I lived to tell the story, but I'm going to jail from the stuff that these people seen me do on that plane, like push people into the snakes. 
um, barricade myself in Yo, one of them rooms. Ain't that a loss? We all off. Anyway, that's what they be talking about. I have ADHD. <laughs> so, okay, the next one is the Red Lady of Huntington, Montgomery, Alabama. Mm. I just wanted to live it. In the early 20th century, a young woman named Martha started college at the Women's College of Alabama. Complying with her father's will, Martha's favorite color was red, and she decorated every surface of her dorm room in Pratt Hall in the crimson shade. Because she didn't make friends easily, Martha lived alone on campus, and she was very unhappy. She retreated to her room, living in isolation, and only left her bed in the middle of the night. <clears throat> Wait, and only left was her bed. Was this college? Yeah. Then I know that's a lie. What professor was allowing her to just miss class? No, they didn't say that. They said she um she retreated to her room on campus and she was very unhappy. She retreated to her room and living in isolation, meaning she would only go to classes and back to her room, Walter. They and said on, she on keep read what only, they said. And only left her bed when she was in basically in her room and she only left her bed in the middle of the night. That means she was not coming out during the day. Oh my god. Classes Wait, is during the day. One evening after failing to attend classes and dinner. Boom. Martha was found lying on the floor in her room, dead. To this day, generations of Huntington students have claimed to have witnessed Martha's ghost, the Red Lady, roaming around the halls at night, emanating a strange red glow. <clears throat> wow. I would go back to my room and pack my belongings and go home. <laughs> you always trying to run. Now, Dolly Madison... Wife of the fourth president of the United States, James Madison, is one of our country's most beloved first ladies. I no- didn't know who she was until you just said her name. So I don't know how she's beloved, <laughs> and I don't know who loves her. But I don't think you should speak for the whole country. Because I don't know, I didn't know who in the hell a Dolly Madison was. You ain't never heard of Dolly Madison? No. Something wrong with you. Dolly that don't did- even sound like the the wife of a first lady, of, uh, of a president. Dolly. Dolly will never <laughs> okay. go away. That sounds like a nice... Be quiet, please. Go ahead, I'm sorry. So, into a social... Wait a minute. Known for turning the D.C. swamps into a social hub. Okay. Dolly endeared everyone with her wit and charm, but she didn't like to be tested. During her time living in the White House, Dolly built a beautiful rose garden. Oh, I heard that Years later, when... I didn't so that's when they was like Madison, the president's wife, but they never said her name. Them flowers still there. Mm-hmm. If if I became the president, I'm petty. So years later, I want him down. <laughs> Get him cut up, and Ms. I don't care what you gotta do. So it said when years later, when Miss Woodrow Wilson occupied the White House, she requested the rose garden be replaced. Legend has it that that moment workers turned their spades. Dolly's ghost arrived and chased them all away. Now that sounds like a realistic story. And and the crazy woman. thing is, Miss Madison better than me. Because this ain't your house no more. Mm. And I'm going out there with the spades myself, and you're not running me anywhere. I want the roses up. <laughs> the hell you got going? Why I don't, you... they, don't, they don't look good here. She, better, she, pay, she wanted them there. How you going to tell me where to keep my roses in a house you don't, you don't occupy no more? Huh? <laughs> Did her husband even get two terms? I don't know. I don't, it's just... You don't make no demands on a four-term presidency? This yeah. is not your house. <laughs> you lived here four years, girl. Presidents then came and went. Yeah, they did. Now, the ghost of Julia Ligari, Adisto Island, South Carolina. 
So legend has it that in the mid-1800s, young Julia Ligari was visiting Adesto Island. She fell ill with, what is it, diphtheria? And fell into a deep coma. After being pronounced dead, she was buried in her family's crypt. Wait, did they say she was visiting? No, my child coming back home. Hey, hey, what in the world happened to my child when she went to visit? She got sick. Okay, well, she wasn't sick when she was home. That's why you're not supposed to travel. <laughs> it's all sorts of diseases that you, your body ain't accustomed to dealing with. Well, That's you, why I don't go nowhere. That sounds like something that you would say. Now, after being pronounced dead, she was buried in her family's crypt. When her brother passed away 15 years later... Her family opened the crypt and found her body pressed against the door, trying to escape. Look at that. Look to me oh like she my God, that. it said thought for dead. She had been alive all along. Throughout the years, the crypt's doors would randomly fall open. Eventually, even the chain stone would still would, would not remain hinged, and the family members gave up and removed the door entirely. Some locals swear that that the scratches on the inside of the crypt were made by Julia, desperately trying to escape being buried alive. Wow. Wow. I, wow. 15 years later. That means in 15 years she sat just... It, she ain't no, last she that long. She ain't last that long. She probably was going the next fucking what? Maybe two, two, three days. weeks. Yeah, because you ain't just... I'm going to give her a four at the most if she a fighter. Then that would have to mean nobody came to visit. Yeah, and that's what I would, th- and that's where my vengeance would come into play. Because, because had you came to mourn I, me, yes, like if you came to mourn me, because you think about it, when somebody you love passes away, the first couple weeks you do there, if you love them, give and take, yes, you come there, and then it becomes every like holiday or their birthday. Yep. But in the first beginning, you constantly at the fu- at the graveyard. And if you're not, you didn't love me, and now I got to haunt you. So that means you didn't even go, because I'm seeing, like, you just, I'm, like, because if it was me, you would have been out the same day. You already know, because sure I, I, I know never, that. I'd have never left, because you, from the jump, after the funeral, I'd have probably stayed the night As soon as I wake up, now knock, knock, knock. He's alive. They'd have locked you up. <laughs> Why? You'd have to say it. No, I'm serious. You could unlock it. Open it up. I would have said, ooh, God, that was a close one. And I would have said, oh, you know, we got to get paid for oh, the numbers. Ain't <laughs> I no. want to know who did this. In fact, you get out of my face too, Freckles. Why? Because you should have looked at that body. <laughs> you the one said you ain't want to be buried like that. You said you wanted to be just uh, dressed and they didn't take the time out to bomb you and do nothing because you didn't ask for that. Remember? Don't get mad at me because your, your ass was alive the whole damn time. Now, be quiet. Now, the ghost of Wright, the ghost of Wright Square, Savannah, Georgia. And I wanted to move to Savannah. Savannah has no shortage of ghost stories, and the tale of the right square ghost may be the creepiest we've heard. The spooky story begins in 1724, after a man was found lying strangled on his bed. Although the deceased man, William Wise, was known to be slightly shady, his death still caused quite a stir in the community. Investigators convicted two of his servants, Alice Riley and Richard White. Although the two attempted to flee, they were eventually caught and sentenced to death. Alice's execution was delayed until after she gave birth to her son, James. Although Alice adamantly proclaimed innocence, eight months later she faced Wright Square's, Wright Square's gallows. A short while later, her son died. Legend has it that she haunts pregnant women and mothers with infants searching for her lost baby. 
Next time you're in Savannah, notice the shortage of Spanish moss in the right square. According to folklore, Spanish moss will not grow where innocent blood has been spilled. That's true. That's magic. Wow. I never knew that. So wherever Spanish moss... Well, where does Spanish moss grow anyway? I don't know about no moss in Spanish history and... and, 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 and that that's what it's called. I'm not talking about that. What you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that you're gonna carry somebody to the gallows. That's a horrible way to die. That's hanging <clears throat> them, right? Or cutting their head off? Uh, the gallows, yeah, that's hanging. So she got hung for something that she didn't do. Look, you're gonna shoot Walter where he stand. You're not hanging me. <laughs> Or I'm going to cause an uproar. I'm going to kick and scream the entire time. It's just not going to be ruly. It's, I'm just going to be unruly. If you do hang me, you'll get the noose around my neck and do it quick. I'm damn sure not standing on that platform for you to have a conversation with the crowd. Talking about, do you have any Yeah, words? no, I don't. Yes, you I do. I have, a lo- I have a lot of, um, yeah, last I do. Last words? Yes. I have a list I would like to. Yes, I'm going. Is this my last words? I'm going to read everybody there. If you don't mind. And you, you just wait. Person that's going. Who's going to pull the plug? You over there. I want you to look into my eyes and remember these eyes. You'll see them again tonight. (laughs) I'm fixating on one person there, and it's the person whoever is the one pulling the rope. You're the guy. You shall see me again every night until the day you die. And then you'll join me in the afterlife. Wow. And we'll haunt the descendants of the people who hunt me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because there's no way in the world I'm dying for if I'm really no, telling you that I'm... I'm really innocent. Yeah, because I, I just feel like that's not fair. Yeah, and in really the fact innocent, that, they, that, that, that her baby could have survived. Exactly. You know, her baby really could have survived. Just die. You clearly was doing something hateful or, like, neglectful to that infant. Wow. Well, look. There's no reason why her baby died. It don't, probably because his mother. Just sad. (sighs) Listen, we are going to be right back because I'm definitely going to get into this hugging woman. You know I want to talk about her because I ain't never heard of the hugging lady. You know, so. We'll be back, guys. All right. We're back. Hey guys, and we're back because I just definitely had to get on and talk about this hugging Molly situation because I had never in my life heard of it. Now I've heard a lot of ghost stories, so I actually went back and found some more information. Um, yeah, so we'll get right into it. This is oh, now hugging Molly is a tale out of Abbeville, Alabama. The story starts hundreds of years ago, like you said. Mm-hmm. With I a, knew it would. With a woman who would stalk the city streets on nights so cold and dark and damp, the flames in the street lamps couldn't stay lit. She would wear a black cloak with the hood to hide her identity. The story of this figure states she would find people and hug them to death. 
football. You can't. So decades later, we got the legend of hugging Molly. This was supposedly a separate woman. She was said to go around hugging children. This was due this was due to her having not been able to cope with having lost her own child. If children wandered the streets at night, she would follow them dragging along her black dress and hiding her pale face behind her black wide brimmed hat. If she caught the children, she would hug them and scream into their ear. Many years later, another would take up the role. Local college students would wander the streets at night to visit their friends they had missed over the summer. A seven-foot-tall male professor grew tired of the students doing this and believed they should remain safe in their housing at night. To scare them, he would don the black dress and hat and set out in search of college students to torment. Well, a boy was walking home late one night from a friend's house. He had heard something brushing along the sidewalk behind him. He turned, he saw a dark figure standing just out of reach of a streetlight. The figure was tall and either wearing a cloak or a dress. He did not look long enough to take in the details. The boy turned back and headed toward his home a few blocks away. He began walking faster but peeked over his shoulder. He noticed the figure was matching his pace but slightly faster to close the gap between them. He was he sped up and slow and that wait a minute, and every time the figure would do the same. When the boy was roughly a block from his home, he took off into a dead sprint. He hurdled his front porch steps and threw the door open, making it safely inside. He ran to the window to see if Hug and Molly was outside. He saw the dark figure walk past his house slowly, not looking at him, not stopping, only searching for another person to hug. Wow. That's ridiculous. Wow. Well, this... This is crazy. I ain't never heard of this either. I don't like it. I, I never heard of this either. You ever heard of the pig lady? The who? The pig lady. Now, Bro, these are demons. Nuh-uh. This is now. This is. No, a, no. Ain't no. no I had no, to even stop. I didn't even never hear these old the, witch tales. The, the demon is a liar. <laughs> there is but one. And that's Merrick. Merrick from, um. You know what I meant. Father Marin. <laughs> Well, from the exorcist? Yes. These is demons. Ain't no such a, ain't no such thing as no fucking pig lady yes, on this is. earth. Yes, it is. It's in Royal New Jersey. Lies. No, I'm not saying it's, it don't exist. I'm saying that's a demon. They didn't just manifest a pig person. Okay. So in Royal New Jersey lies Royceville Road. But local legend dubs it Pig Lady Road. The name comes from an apparition that can be summoned by chanting Pig Lady three times in the dead of night. People say the dumbest shit. That's not real. (laughs) Following shortly, a woman with a pig head will appear. Some say she was born this way, and others say the woman was born disfigured and wore sort of a mask. The story says one day a pig farming couple birthed a baby girl who was so hideously disfigured that the father removed a pig's head and forced her to wear it. Wow. When her mother passed of illness, the girl killed her father with an axe and buried the bodies on the farm. Soon after, two boys discovered her and decided to prank her by leaving the head of a pig on on her front doorstep. 
the woman discovered the the woman discovered the boys on her land one day, and neither was seen alive again. When the woman died, the local authorities searched her land, finding both her parents and the boys. Now she haunts Pig Lady Road, wielding the same bloodstained abused to kill her victims. Acts used to kill her victims. People have reported being chased while on foot in their car. Others have have heard scratching outside their door and found scratches in their car's paint. An, another person claimed to have been scratched by her axe, which left them bleeding and with a scar. Other reports tell us about a floating and glowing pig's head moving across the road. If a car horn is honked three times, one group of kids heard a specific heard a specific way to go about the urban legend, and it took a turn for the worse. <clears throat> the group heard that you must annoy the pig lady by screaming, honking, and flashing the lights of your car, but she won't come out unless one person stands in the street while the others drive off. Pause. <laughs> that right there is we're not going to play that. We'll never play I, that I game. See, I see exactly how that went right now. Claire Cognizance is speaking to me. The leader of this motley crew of idiots <laughs> was a bully. Picture uh, 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 old bull from from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, the one that was drinking? everybody not to tell. Yeah. Even going as far as to threaten them. <laughs> I told you then, one of them should have put their fists through his mouth and called 911. <laughs> I'm not all running all my life. Mm-mm. I was not drinking, and if I was, I damn sure wasn't driving. <laughs> yep. You're going to jail. I'm not, because I'm he a was passenger. Up there with that girl. That's neither here nor there. He was the bully, and he decided somebody got to be the bait and get out of the car. And I bet it wasn't him. The thing is, who was it going to be? Because I bet you I wouldn't have got out the car. I wasn't getting out that car. I'm sorry. Bet I don't get out this car. If I get out this car, the only reason I'm getting out this car is to come around to the passenger <laughs> to the uh, driver's side, drag you out of it, and beat your ass in this street. <laughs> so let's ask the question, do you want me to get out this car? Because if I get out, we getting out to, to scrap. <laughs> so and then you don't got to worry about no pig lady. Because I'll be beating your ass when she comes. <laughs> okay, I'm not. Like, you, you people play around with people too much. Letting somebody bully you. When, you. when you scared, you need to be open about it. I'm not that type of person. If I'm frightened, I'm going to tell you. Like, if I go somewhere with a group of people and it start to get scary, I want to go. And if you prohibit me, we have to fight. Mm-mm. Now, the group heard that you must annoy the pig lady by screaming, honking, and flashing the lights of the car. But she won't come out unless one person stands in the street while the others drive off. One girl seemed unafraid, claiming this was nothing more than a story. (coughs) Excuse me. So she was left in the street alone. The others drove away, watching behind the car, seeing nothing happen, until they couldn't make the girl out any longer. So you left me that far... Wow. They said the drive to the end of the street and back takes around 10 minutes. Oh, they joked and laughed about how the idea of a ghostly pig lady was stupid and how they were ridiculous for being scared. And they continued down the black forest road, only its headlights lighting the way. Finally, Finally, the group arrived at the road's end and started back to where they had left the girl. Upon arriving to the location, the girl was gone. The group stopped the car, rolled down the windows, and yelled for her, but she did not answer. Assuming she was playing a joke, the kid, the teen stepped out of the car and searched the woods from the roadside, all while calling the girl's name. 
Another girl eventually heard crying sounds from a bush a little way, a little way down the road. They had found the girl and helped her to the car. She would not talk to them and only continued to cry. While leaving, one of the group thought they heard a faint squeal of a pig just after a loud clunk was made on the side of the car. Terrified, the driver sped away furiously. After returning to town, the group stopped at a gas station to regroup themselves. The girl was still crying. That's when the others noticed she was covered in scratches, her arms, legs, and face. The driver stepped out to see what had happened to his car. He discovered a large gash opened in the door that looked like it had been made by an axe, the axe of the pig lady. Wow. See? 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 That's why I don't be... You're not supposed to call the bluff of things. Yeah, like, that's... That's when I think you just... You, asking you, for trouble. You asking for trouble. But this is another one I never... So this is Skin Tom. Skin Tom starts off with a normal, everyday guy. Tom was relatively good-looking and highly charming. He was also a bit of a playboy. Tom had one had one point or another had a relationship with every possible girl in his small Tennessee town. This forced Tom to start seeking women elsewhere. One day, Tom went to the next town over in search of a new woman. When he found his new girl, he would take them to the local lover's lane. So one night, Tom picked up an innocent young woman and the two headed to the spot. After some time, another car pulled up next to Tom's. The woman seemed to become very concerned. A hard banging came at the front of the car, and a man was standing outside. He pulled the woman from the car and beat her to death. The man then took Tom to his house. There he proceeded to skin Tom alive for sleeping with the man's wife. Twitch! What is that? Wow. Okay, that, that scared every part of me. I'm so sorry. When the police arrived... At the house, they found only a pile of skin. Locals say Tom wanders the local lover's lane searching for people who are cheating. He carries a hunting knife like the one used to skin him. One night, a young couple drove through their local lover's lane as they had done many times before. The night was cold, causing the windows to fog, but the light of the moon allowed them to see shapes through the glass. The girl became frantic when she glimpsed a shadow wandering outside the car. The couple wiped away the fall to find a person standing by a car by their car fairly close no standing by a car fairly close to theirs. They decided to leave and as they backed out the spot, the couple glimpsed a man holding a large knife attempting to break into the car. The couple claimed that there were they were in too much of a hurry to make out any details, but the man appeared to be covered in blood and or perhaps not covered in skin. Mm. That's weird. This is called uh, I never even heard Big of Big Liz. It's a ghost story from Maryland. It's like one of their folk legends. The master of a plantation was a firm supporter of the Confederate president and had committed to send as much food as he could to the Southern Army. <clears throat> Things were going well at first until the Yankees began attacking the master's supply line. The master suspected a traitor among his slaves and soon discovered that the Yankee spy was a slave woman named Big Liz. <laughs> she was a behemoth That's of a girl. That's not like um, that movie. Tell them Big Liz sent you. What's that on Pee Wee's Big Adventure? <laughs> yeah. She was a behemoth of a woman, of a girl, mm. who could pick up two full-grown pigs, one under each arm, and cart them over to the slaughterhouse without assistance. 
Come on now. Oh, she on that Harriet Tubman. Yeah, she one of them. Not even Harriet. This type of person you leave the fuck alone. <laughs> you see somebody. You, you ever seen a full-grown pig? Yeah. They said a full-grown one, not no little baby pig, like the one that you see at a roast. The full-grown one. I seen them. She one under each arm. That's like five hundred pounds That's each. That's the type of female you, you telling don't me this big with. bitch could carry a thousand that pounds. Woman kill men. She eat them. Yeah. <laughs> She'd tell you, I just fought a full-grown man. Mm-hmm. You leave her the hell alone, without any assistance. If he confronted her directly and she fought back, she would take him to pieces. This is what he knew. Mm. So the master came with came up with a different plan to rid himself of the spy. He approached the giant girl and asked her to assist him with a special task. (laughs) He told her that President Jefferson Davis had entrusted him with a large chest full of gold. To keep it out of Yankee hands, he wanted to bury the chest where it could never be found. The girl's eyes gleamed when she heard this false report. The master knew she was already planning to betray the existence of the chest to the Yankees. Mm. And so the fuck if she was, she don't want to be a slave. Well, I guess. Mm, man. The master made Big Liz car- carry the heavy trunk several miles out into the swampland and asked her to dig a hole deep for the trunk. He sat at his, he sat at his leisure while she worked and strained for hours against the muddy ground. Wow. Which kept oozing back into the hole. When the slave girl was completely exhausted, the master decreed the hole to be large enough for his war chest. Wearily, Big Liz dropped the shovel and pulled the heavy chest down until it lay at her feet. Then she started to climb out of the deep hole. But the master barred her way, and Big Liz gazed up at him in sudden fear as he loomed over her. Traitor, Yankee spy, the master hissed. There is only one path open to a traitor. The master swung his sword at her, and the sharp edge of the blade cut cleaning through the slave girl's neck. Mm. It cut clean through. Her head went rolling away into the tall grass as her body toppled across the chest. The master heaped dirt over the chest and the body of the slave girl who had betrayed him. Briefly, he considered finding her head and burying it in the pit with her body, but it was too dark to go wandering in the dangerous marshland. And he knew that scavengers would make short work of the head when they found it. As the master walked toward home through the dark swamp, he became aware of a prickling sensation at the back of his neck, as if someone were watching him. Mm. The master walked faster as clouds obscured the light of the moon. The master's teeth chattered as a breeze cut through him like the sharpened blade of the sword at his side. His straining ears picked up the sound of footsteps on the path behind him. The master was filled with a terrible superstitious dread of demons and witches and ghosts. Mm. He broke out into a panicked run. He fled up the path as fast as his legs would carry him, and to his relief, he saw the lights of his house rise before him, and he knew he was home. As he rounded the back corner of his house, he was he was confronted by a massive, dirt-encrusted figure that glowed with blue fire. The smell of rotting leaves and marsh grass filled his nostrils as his eyes raced up and down the tall creature. Oh. Until his eyes raced up and up the tall creature. Mm. Until they rested on the stump of its neck, where a head had resided only an hour before. Then he heard a chuckle from the creature's side, and he saw the phantom's head tucked under its arm. Mm. The master stumbled backward, gappling desperately in fear as the ghost placed her head upon the ground with one hand and grabbed the collar of his shirt with the other. 
The murdered slave girl snapped the master's neck in two and dropped his dead body to the ground beneath his bedroom window. Then Big Liz gathered up her severed head and vanished into the darkness. They say that on the anniversary of her death, the ghosts of Big Liz still may be seen roaming the swamplands near her old home. And anyone foolish enough to walk near her grave will be driven away by the phantom, which to this day still defends the place where the Confederate soldier's chest is buried. What's in it? I don't know, but I bet Big Liz will let me get it. I bet you she won't. I bet you she would. Girl, I got the skin that's right. Wow. That's wow. I, I, I understand her story and her struggle. I don't understand it, but I understand um, not having a lot of stuff, and I need that. I need stuff, and you got the chest. Look out for me, sis. <laughs> Something wrong with you. I don't see nothing wrong with her story. She did the right thing. But you gonna do some sneaky shit like that? That was just underhanded and dirty. That was a guy. That was a nice story. I mean, I don't know Liz. if I believe it. What you don't believe? None of it. <laughs> wow, that's really good. I believe it because you don't know what. I mean, but it does seem kind of fast. That her body would come, like, be that quick. I mean, an hour later. Maybe she wasn't. Well, any two times a big bitch can carry two pigs across the way, she ain't one for wasting time. <laughs> yeah. So maybe she got right into it. This is called The Goblin of Easton. It's a story from Pennsylvania. So then you used to live? No. You know Timmy and them. Oh. There was once a monk at, at the mission who loved money and power more than he loved God. Mm. He would hear the confessions of the good folk who attended the missions and then would blackmail them into giving him gold and silver to keep their darkest secrets. He turned many a wayward sinner's feet toward the fires of hell rather than the gates of heaven, encouraging their crimes in secret while he reveled, while he reviled them in public. It was after he beat one poor old woman to death that the evil monk was imprisoned what? and sentenced to hang for his crimes. But just after he was cut down from the noose and pronounced dead, his corpse began to transform before the horrid eyes of the people. Mm. Oh, before the horrified eyes of the people. His face twisted and small tusks sprang from either side of his nose. His shock, his shock of white hair grew long and greasy and two pointed canines emerged from his slit of a mouth. The goblin monk opened his eyes that glowed yellow. They glowed even in the light of noonday and sprang to feet that now ended in claws rather than toes. The people screamed and fled and no prayer of his former brothers in faith could banish the goblin. <clears throat> it disappeared deep into the woods only to return at night and pray, among, and pray upon the monks of the mission who had been responsible for his death. After five of the brothers had fallen to the goblin, the rest of the monks abandoned the mission and moved to another part of the country. Since that time, the mission house has fallen into ruin. Hmm. That's it? Yeah. But it don't, it don't give you no, no, it just say a Pennsylvania ghost story. It don't tell you where the mission is. I guess the goblin of Easton. So you know the mission is somewhere in Eastern Pennsylvania. Eastern Pennsylvania. Timmy might know that. I heard of it. This 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 is 
a story. It's it's excerpted from a book called Spooky Maryland. It's called Harry Toe. I'm not going to do that with it. I'm sorry. I couldn't. Wow. This is called the Boo Hag. These are African-American tales. It's from North Carolina. Mm, The Boo Hag? Yeah. You know how they say some folks are lucky at cards and some are lucky at love? Mm. Well, that fit Bobby Henson to a T. He He was the best poker player in the county, but somehow he couldn't find himself a bride. Oh, he proposed to several girls and even got accepted by a few. But they always got cold feet a day or two before the wedding. And it was bye-bye, Bobby. Why? Okay. <laughs> everybody what's ain't just... Going on? What's going down at the house, Bobby? Yeah, because everybody ain't just accepting it and then declining. leaving you. You doing they something. They something that you didn't show them. After the third time, Bobby was mighty discouraged. I know he was. And his pa felt real sore for him. His pa? Mm-hmm. Oh. They worked together in the family grocery store, and Bobby would sometimes sit on top of the pickle barrel and tell his pa all his woes. And his pa told him to hang in there because the nice lady was on her way. Neither of them really believed it, but it made both of them feel better to hear it said. Well, the day after their latest talk, an old woman who pulled her her barge through the swamp. I don't know what that is. Probably like a boat or something to deliver milk and eggs to the grocery store, had a long talk with Bobby's pa. Seems she had this daughter who was hankering after a husband with a good steady job, and the old woman thought Bobby would do the job nicely. She she suggested they introduce the pair at the next dance, and Bobby's dad agreed. (laughs) I'm tired of saying pa, I'm sorry. The night of the dance, Bobby's dad insisted (laughs) that his son dress in his best. Bobby was dragging his feet a little, remembering all those women who played him for a fool and not and didn't want to go. But his dad dragged him out anyway. Well, the moment Bobby what? clapped his eyes... Well, the moment Bobby clapped his eyes on the, dark hair, on the dark-eyed, red-lipped girl from the swamp, he was head over heels in love. So she was pretty? Yeah. Her eyes sparkled like the sunlight. Well, I mean, it's clearly Bobby wasn't much of a looker, so she probably... Was just doable. No, I don't. I think apologize. That. that was degrading and disrespectful. I don't believe it. Her eyes sparkled like sunlight on the bay. Her skin was as creamy as new milk. What kind of pornographic story is this? <laughs> That's why I froze up. Like, okay, now we getting into we getting into dirty euphemisms. Creamy. All right. Her voice was low and sweet. The, sweet, huh? the pair cuddled and cooed and waltzed the whole night long. And come sunrise, Bobby was all for bringing his new love before the visiting priest who delivered his sermons in the grocery store. Since there wasn't, <laughs> I'm going to read it how he wrote it, since there weren't no church in that vicinity. Mm. And getting married right away, oh, and getting married right away. Well, the girl was willing to get married, but not by a priest. Let's just go to Beaumont to Beaumont and have the judge marry us, she said to Bobby, and he was so smitten he agreed, though it would have been quicker and easier to just walk a mile down the road to see the priest. By the next evening they were wed, and Bobby brought his pretty bride to the nice little cottage he rented just down the road from the family grocery. It had a nice front porch with a swing, a big bedroom on the second floor, and a big attic with a window that could be made into a second guest room should his new mother-in-law care to visit her home in the, from her home in the swamp. 
After fixing him a nice dinner, Bobby's new bride sat see, a while in the rocking chair. See the consideration that he had for his mother-in-law? Right. Like, and we were judging him in the beginning. Life took on an odd... Pa- Wait. See? Bobby's new bride sat a while in the rocking chair near their bed while Bobby yawned and watched her fondly. She cuddled under the blanket she cuddled <laughs> under the blanket and knitted and hummed, and Bobby's eyes grew wide and heavy. He didn't wake up until early morning when his new bride crept into bed all hot and sweaty and fell asleep at once. When he asked her where she'd been, she couldn't answer him. Bobby was mighty sore that his bride had snuck out on him on their wedding night. But when she got snappish and her and her eyes blazed like they did when he questioned her, he grew frightened and backed down. Oh, she said, like, don't ask me any questions. Don't ask me about my business, Bobby. Exactly. <laughs> Life took an odd pattern for Bobby. During the day, everything was perfect. His wife was sweet and pretty and loving. She kept the house sparkling clean and cooked him wonderful meals. But each night, she refused to come to bed after supper. Like their wedding night, she sat up singing and rocking and knitting until he was asleep and did not come to bed till just till just before dawn. She Hot was always sweaty. sweaty and cranky when she came to bed and went to sleep before Bobby could question her. Bobby was very confused and upset by this behavior and finally confided in his dad one morning after opening up the grocery store. <clears throat> Bobby's dad was awful worried. The visiting priest had gone on to his next parish and there was no one they could consult but the local conjure woman. So he sent Bobby to her with a couple of chickens as a gift. The conjure woman knew all about hoodoo magic and was an excellent herbalist. Local folks went to her when they were sick on account of the doctor lived nigh on 20 miles away. I can't talk like that. I'm sorry. Local folks went to her when they were sick on account of the fact that the doctor lived about 20 miles away. When she heard Bobby's story, she told him to pretend to go to sleep that night mm-hmm. and watch what his new bride did. I don't want to see nothing. That's what I would have said. So, never mind, ma- madam. If you can't tell me what she did, then I don't want to see uh, with my own eyes. Because I, I, le- I know she not leaving the house. So, what is it that she doing? Now it's strange. She told him to pretend to go to sleep that night and watch what his new bride did. Then he was to come back and tell her everything. Bobby agreed. The next evening, he pretended to fall asleep when his bride rocked and sang in the chair. Then he followed her up to the attic and watched through the crack in the open door as she sat down on the spinning wheel and spun off her skin. What? (laughs) (laughs) And spun off her skin? Leaving only pulsing red muscles and blue veins. Ew, it's that old woman. Okay. She was a terrifying sight. And she sprang through the window and flew away into the night. Bobby ran out to the privy and was sick after he saw her. Who? What was this monster that he had married? He was still trembling and in shock when his bride, looking like a normal person again, crept into bed at dawn. And he had trouble behaving normally at breakfast. As soon as he could get away, Bobby ran to the home of the conjure woman and told her about the spinning wheel and the terrible skinless creature who flew away from his attic. A boo hag, the conjure woman said at once. You've married a boo hag. What's a boo hag, asked Bobby. A boo hag is a witch and a shapeshifter, said the conjure woman. 
She lures men into her trap and then delivers them to her boo daddy. <laughs> <laughs> it said it like that. I swear it said it like that. Oh God! She daddy. lures the she lures men into her trap yeah, and then delivers them to her boo daddy, <laughs> who eats their flesh and gnaws their bones. What? And that's what she'll do to you if you don't get rid of her first. So why is she just cooking and just fattening you up? I guess. Mm. That's Eat why she said ready. we. Ain't, that's why they never had sex. She makes sure she stay up all night. He said, we ain't doing nothing. You just want to eat and eat and eat. And I'll love you good. Until the morning. Okay. <laughs> the conjure woman told Bobby to get himself some blue paint. Blue see, paint? That's why when we were on like when we was on Zulu, we was looking at them houses. You see it's all, most of them, the inside of them is painted that blue. Mm, see. It's, it's something, no, that's something from Africa. It's like a, a, a spirit. Why are you whispering? Oh, I'm sorry. Because I, I was between me and you. Well, mm, some blue paint. As soon as the boo hag left the house that night, he was to spread blue paint on every window frame and every door frame, and make sure it had it was two coats thick. A boo hag couldn't fly through a window or door that was painted blue, and if she didn't get back into her skin before dawn, she would be trapped without it and be revealed for the monster she was. Hmm. So he was to leave one tiny window unpainted. And keep it open a sliver so the boo hag could squeeze through. Then he was to fill up her skin with salt and pepper, which would burn her up from the inside out. And Bobby promised to do exactly as the conjure woman said. That night, Bobby lingered over his dinner, looking with sad eyes at the pretty woman sitting opposite him. He knew he got to do something. He knew she was really a monster inside. But Mm. it was so nice to have a little wife in his home. He hated like anything to see her go <clears throat> but he didn't want to be eaten by a boo daddy <laughs> and that was his fate if she stayed so he went up to their bedroom and pretended to fall asleep while she rocked and sang and knitted then he followed her quietly upstairs and put salt and pepper into her skin after her ugly red muscled blue veined figure had flown out of the window to go see her boo daddy mm. I can't like it's killing me not to laugh He spent the rest of the night painting over every door and window frame with blue paint, leaving only one small unpainted window open in the cellar. He nailed it up so that it would open no further than a crack, just as the conjure woman instructed. Then he hid himself behind a large chest of drawers up in the attic to wait for the boo hag. Just before dawn, the boo hag came flying up to the attic window. As soon as she touched the blue frame, she gave a shrink. Uh, she gave a shriek of pain and rage. Bobby listened as she flew around the house, testing each window and door, and howling like a banshee when it burned her skinless hands. Mm. Then she found the little window in the cellar, and he heard the thump as she landed beside it, followed by a painful whimpering sound as she squeezed and squeezed herself through the narrow opening. Her skinless red muscles and blue veins tearing painfully against the rough wood. The boo hag ran up three flights of stairs into the attic and squeezed and squeezed into her skin as fast as she could. She just got, she just barely got it on when the first light of dawn shone on the horizon. And that was when the salt and pepper did their work, burning the boo hag's body from the inside out. With a scream of agony, she flung herself out of the attic window. The glass shattered everywhere as she tried to fly away, tearing at the skin to get it off, but it was too late. 
She exploded into tiny pieces right over the swamp, and the alligators had them a mighty feast of cooked boohag for breakfast that morning. <laughs> so Bobby was once again without a wife, but bachelorhood looked, looked much better to him after that, and he never went looking for a wife again. Mm. Of course, after he made a pile of money and oil, the girls started chasing him. But that's another story. Mm, I bet they did. That's 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 a folklore. That's just like a like like a like a folklore that we have. So I guess it's a story like you know how they tell you a story just so you know what to do in case you ever run into a boo hag. Mm. I guess that's probably now that seems reasonable. I believe in like folk tales like that. But you didn't believe in the other one, Big Liz. Yeah. Come on now. We don't even keep records of slave names. You don't know if it was no slave named Big Liz. That girl didn't even exist. Who they what name one time you ever thought of a slave named Big Liz? I never. I thought it was actually yeah. Okay. I thought it was a truck driver or something like that. <laughs> oh boy. This story is called Jack O' Lantern. It's from Spooky Maryland. After a long day of unlucky hunting, I found myself stuck in the middle of the marshlands at night without a flashlight or a lantern to guide my stumbling steps. So I settled beside a fallen log to rest until daylight. As I tossed and turned, I recalled the story my great uncle told me about a ghost that haunted the marshlands. He told me there was once a man named Jack who was a nasty fellow. He beat his wife and kids and was an all-around bad chap. Jack got worse and worse as the years rolled by, but finally Jack's body got so wore out that he died. He went up to heaven, but St. Peter refused to let such a wretched fellow in. Then he went to hell, but the devil barred the door as soon as he saw Jack coming and wouldn't let him in either. Go away and don't come back, the devil told Jack. That's a lot. How am I supposed to get back in the dark, Jack grumbled. Give me a lantern. So the devil threw a chunk of molten fire out to Jack, who took it for his lantern and went back to earth. He wanders here forever through the swamps and marshlands, a bitter spirit whose only delight is luring the unwary to their doom with his lamp. At this juncture in his musings, I happened to look out over the marshes and noticed a blinking light in the fog. Is that you, Jack O'Lantern? I called jovially, Jack. Jack, Jack, a voice whispered back. I was seriously spooked. I clutched my gun to my chest, the hairs on my arms standing on end. Had that been an echo of my voice, or was someone out here with me? Who's there? I shouted, trying to sound brave and menacing. I waved my gun around. Show yourself at once. Jack, 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 the voice hissed from a completely different section of the swamp. A light blinked on and then off, on and then off. Shudders ran up my spine at the sound of that ghastly voice coming from nowhere. I huddled up against the log, wanting something wanting something firm at my back. Suddenly, the story of the jack-o'-lantern didn't seem so funny. My heart was pounding so hard it made my chest hurt. I strained my ears in the silence that fell over the swamp. Jack, 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 the voice hissed from somewhere to my left this time. The light blinked on, off, on. I counted ten heartbeats this time before it went off. The voice sounded closer. I held very still, my instincts my instincts screaming at me to hold my breath and not move until the minutes had passed. The voice came again, far off to the right. Jack, 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 it whispered. The light came on, off, on, 
off. It's moving away, I thought, relaxing just a bit, feeling safer. There was a long, long, long silence. Nothing stirred. Not the wind in the grass, not the frogs or the turtles in the water, not the crickets or the night insects. Jack, 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 the voice hissed softly right into my ear. And I looked up into the glowing red eyes and twisted face of the jack-o'-lantern. I screamed and lashed out at it with my gun. I ran a few steps, tripped and fell over, knocking my head on a sharp stone. For a moment I saw stars, and I felt blood pouring from my scalp. But the jack-o'-lantern was right behind me. I had to get away. I rolled and fell into a deep pool. I plunged underneath the water, flailing desperately against rope-like grasses that tried to keep me down. My head finally burst out of the water, and I gasped dramatically for air, treading water as best I could with my trembling limbs and aching head. I heard the creature laugh in the mist. Jack, 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 That's the voice wow, hissed delightedly, and the light blinked on, off, on, right over my head, blinding my dazed eyes as horror flowed through me and froze my limbs so I could no longer swim. For a long moment, the grotesque face and red eyes of the jack-o'-lantern loomed out of the mist before my petrified gaze. My head started to swim with pain from my bleeding skull, the evil face above me lit by its bright light whirled around and around, growing dimmer as my eyes started to glaze. I was vaguely aware that I should keep swimming, keep trying to make my way to the edge of the pool, but the effort was too much for my suddenly heavy limbs. I barely noticed myself plunging down, down into the watery depths of the pool, too stunned by my energy to fight, too stunned by my injury to fight my way to the surface a second time. Then there was only darkness and silence and a voice hissing in cold triumph. Jack, Jack, That damn, that that Jack shit, man. It was killing me. I'm sorry, it took away from the story. Okay. A West Virginia legend. That was it with Jack? Yeah. Hmm. Now, John Henry was a mighty man. Yes, sir. John Henry. He was born a slave in the 1840s, but was freed after the war. He went to work as a steel driver for the Chesapeake, for the Chesapeake and Ohio <coughs> Railroad. Don't you know? <laughs> and if John, <laughs> why would you laugh? Cause I just be thinking of people that say that after. Have you ever heard that when people be talking? Don't you know? And Henry was the strongest, the most powerful, the most powerful man. John Henry would spend his days drilling holes by hitting thick steel spikes into rocks with his faithful shaker crouching close to the hole, turning the drill after each mighty blow. There was no one who could match him, though many tried. Mm. Well, the new railroad was moving along right quick, thanks in no little part to the mighty John Henry, but looming right smack in his path was a mighty enemy the Big Bend Mountain. Now the big bosses of the CNO Railroad decided that they couldn't go around the mountain in a quarter thick mountain. They couldn't go around the mile in a quarter thick mountain. No sir, the men of the CNO were going to go through it, drilling right into the heart of the mountain. Before it, oh, a thousand men 
would lose their lives before the great enemy was conquered. It took three long years, and before it was done, the ground outside the mountain was filled with makeshift sandy graves. The new tunnels were filled with smoke and dust. You couldn't see no how and, couldn't, and could hardly breathe. But John Henry worked tirelessly. He continued to drill with a 14-pound hammer and going 10 to 12 feet in one workday. No one else could match him. Mm. Then one day a salesman came along to the camp. He had a steam-powered drill and claimed it could out-drill any man. Well, that set up a contest then, then and there between John Henry and that there drill. The foreman ran that newfangled steam drill, John Henry, he just pulled out two 20-pound hammers, one in each hand. They drilled and drilled, dust rising everywhere. The men were howling and cheering, howling and cheering. At the end of the 35 minutes, John had drilled two seven-foot holes, a total of 14 feet, while the steam drill had only drilled one nine-foot hole. John Henry held up his hammers in triumph. The men shouted and cheered. The noise was so loud it took a moment for the men to realize that John Henry was teetering. Exhausted, the mighty man crashed to the ground, the hammers rolling from his grasp. What's teetering? You know, when you're rocking back and forth. The crowd went silent as the foreman rushed to his side, but it was too late. A blood vessel had burst in his brain. Mm. The greatest driller of the C&O railroad was dead. Some folks say that John Henry's likeness is carved right into the rock inside the Big Ben tunnel. <coughs> and if you walk to the edge of the blackness of the tunnel, sometimes you can hear the sound of two 20-pound hammers drilling their way to victory over the machine. Big Ben? I believe that that's an echo. Like if you did go in there and you did hear the, the hammers, mm-hmm. that's an echo like of something that was done. It's an imprint. That took a lot of that man's energy. Mm. You ever you, your blood, sweat, and tears? Yeah. See, this that is sounds, ridiculous. I like the way that this I is like why I'm no shade to my people, but sometimes we ain't the best. These stories are starting to be ridiculous. This one here is called Never Mind Them Watermelons. If this ain't the most racist <laughs> shit I have ever heard, this supposed to be. We got to do better. Never mind them watermelons. Never mind them watermelons. Yo, An Alabama ghost big... story. What? <laughs> Listen well now, old Sam Gibb. He didn't believe in no ghosts. Not one bit. Mm. Everyone in the town knew the old log cabin back in the woods was haunted. But Sam Gibb just laughed whenever folks talked about it. Finally, a blacksmith dared Sam Gibb to spend the night in the haunted log cabin. If he stayed there until dawn, the blacksmith would buy him a whole cartload of watermelons. This was written by somebody's white racist in Alabama. <laughs> this is not something that black people sat around yes, and discussed. They did. Yes, they did. They love watermelons. Mommy, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> I don't eat no watermelon. I do. <laughs> it's horrible. I love it. Go ahead. The blacksmith would buy him a whole cartload of watermelons. Sam was delighted. Watermelon was Sam's absolute favorite fruit. Yes. (laughs) Oh, this is, this is. He accepted the dare at once, packed some matches in his pipe, and went over to the log cabin to spend the night. He's doing all that for watermelon. Right? This is what I'm saying. This is racist. I'm not doing none of that. You can give me a whole carton of money. Sam went into the old log cabin, 
started a fire, lit his pipe, and settled into a rickety old chair with yesterday's newspaper. As he was reading, he heard a creaking sound. Looking up, he saw that a gnarled little creature with glowing red eyes had taken the seat beside him. What? It had a long forked tail, two horns on its head, claws at the ends of its hands, and sharp teeth that poked right through its large lips. There ain't nobody here tonight except you and me, the creature said to old Sam Gibb. <laughs> what? It had a voice like the hiss of flame. Sam's heart nearly stopped with fright. He leapt to his feet. There ain't going to be nobody here but you in a minute, Sam <laughs> Gibb told the gnarled creature. <laughs> I'm sorry, black people. I just got something fucking smart to say. <laughs> this is not the time or place to be talking shit. And you're going to look at this creature. There ain't going to be nobody here in a minute but you. <laughs> okay? Sam Gibb told the gnarled creature. He leapt straight for the nearest exit which happened to be the window, and high-tailed it down the lane, lickety-split. <laughs> he ran so fast he overtook two rabbits being chased by a coyote. Mm. But it wasn't long before he heard the pounding of little hooves, Mm-mm. and the gnarled creature with the red eyes caught up with him. You're making pretty good speed for an old man, said the creature to old Sam Gibb. What? Oh, I can run much faster than this, <laughs> Sam Gibb told it. He took off like a bolt of lightning, <laughs> leaving the gnarled creature in the dust yeah. as he ran past the, as he ran past Smitty, the blacksmith. <laughs> the blacksmith came flying out of the forge to see what was wrong. Never mind about them watermelons, Sam Gibb shouted to the blacksmith without breaking his stride. <laughs> Old Sam Gibb ran all the way home and hid under his bed for the rest of the night. After yes. that, he was a firm believer in ghosts and spooks, and he refused to go anywhere near the old cabin in the woods. Yeah. Now, I'm sorry. This was a bit hilarious for me. No, it was funny, but at the end of the day... I also think, like, he should have sat down. I think if he was able to talk to you yeah, like that, you he wasn't going to do sense. nothing to you. Some things be like like fairies. They just happen to look that way. You see cool as shit, the fact that he was able to sit down and then you gonna chase after him. Just to tell him you're making pretty good speed for an old man. Yeah, you could have been killed. He was letting Sam get away with too much lip. (laughs) Hey, Sam was not the one. Ain't gonna be nobody here but you. And that's some shit I would say. Yeah, what? I would say it. That's some real no no I wouldn't. I'ma turn and look. And I'm going to keep my head straight. I'm that type of person. Like, <laughs> I, that's what my peripheral vision is for. I see you there. Lurking in the peripheral. And like brother. I will freeze and watch you. And then you would have turned. Ain't nobody here but you and me. Mommy, my fight or flight always goes to to flight. But I don't think it would have happened in that moment. And I know I ain't going to fight. So I think I would have shut down. Like like how you like how you power off a robot mm-hmm. and they just shut down. <laughs> that would have been me, like right there in that seat. Then then he would have died. Nobody. I don't talk. know because I'm about to go catatonic. You know where they be snapping their fingers in front of your face. I'm yeah. gone. I have went to the sunken place or like a happy place in my mind. There's no way you can harm me. Do what you will to my flesh, but I'm in my mind. I'm already somewhere else. I'm not even here right now. This okay. shit is crazy. Uh, where are you getting these from? Um, African American folklore. I ain't never heard of these. These is fo- mm. so. These are stories that people have told along the years. Yeah, all our hand me downs. What else? Cause that was too funny. It was. <laughs> he said, "Never mind about those watermelons." Come on, you want me to read this? One? 
Yeah, you got to because we starting to get out of it. Okay, they starting to get look, off of hand. Is, this is another one called The Bulldog Man. So the story of the Bulldog Man has been with me since I was a child. The first person to tell me the legend was a friend of my, of mine's grandmother. We couldn't have been more than eight years old. She was trying to scare us by telling us the story and saying Bulldog Man would kidnap children on Halloween. Of course, the day was, of course, the day was Halloween. Oh my bad. Of course, the day was Halloween, and she made the extra st- step to point out the full moon and tell us about how monsters are more active. So here it is, a legend from my hometown, the story of the Bulldog Man. In the early 1910s, the little old town of Sand Springs, Oklahoma, was a wonderful place. It had been built from the ground up by Charles Page, starting with the children's home. At the time of this tale, Sand Springs was home to a zoo, a water park, and most importantly, the Parthenia Amusement Park. One day, a poor family was traveling through Sandy Springs, no, Sand Springs, and decided to stop at the amusement. With so many children, the parents were unable to afford the price of tickets and decided to abandon their youngest son to enter the park. Pause. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just read this again. With so many children, the parents were unable to afford the price of tickets and decided to abandon their youngest son to enter the park. I, you know that's And not, that sounded like a good idea to them? You, that's how you be knowing stuff just be malarkey. Wow. When the park closed for the day, the boy was unable to find his family and soon found he had been abandoned. That's a damn shame. For months, the boy would sneak into the park after closing and eat discarded food from the trash that's a shame. and for a place to sleep at night. Soon winter came and the boy needed to find somewhere warmer to sleep. He wandered down Old North Road, a road known for its twists and turns and creepiest due to the surrounding woods. The boy eventually came to the door of a brick factory that was in the valley just to the south of Old North Road. The workers of the mill took the boy in. He was given food from from their lunches and allowed by the upper level workers to sleep inside at night besides the killings for warmth. For warmth. One night, during an awful storm, wind blew through an opening in the roof and shifted a stack of bricks. The bricks tumbled to the ground and landed on the boy's face. He was horribly disfigured. His nose was smashed flat. His cheeks hung loose and his bottom lip drooped to reveal his <laughs> His bottom lip drooped. That's not even funny, yo. That's it, somebody's child. It was funny, like Pumpkinhead. I always laughed. And, and his bottom, his bottom lip drooped to reveal his now sharp and cracked teeth. The workers cared for the boy, but none would pay for him to see a doctor. Wow! And he could have had easily. They been have healed. it. His, Maybe his, instead of looking at the workers, we should be looking at the parents that abandoned him. <laughs> the workers are the heroes in this story. That's the problem with America now. <laughs> You putting that responsibility off on them? That's not their child. They doing the best they can. <laughs> you be thankful you got that, because if it was up to your mom and dad, you'd still be eating out of the trash can at the park. That's so disrespectful. <laughs> okay. The workers care for the boy, but none would take him to see a doctor. His face healed and left him looking like a bulldog. From then on, the men of the factory called him Bulldog Boy. <laughs> 
they now are the villains of this story. Yeah. And now that he's, they said being mistreated by the workers that had grown to think of as family drove the boy to insanity. Wow. Oh. Because they was... when then you turn around him. and then start mistreating him. That That's wrong. After the factory closed, Bulldog Man would guard the property, barking and attacking those who would come near it. A number of disappearances were attributed to him. People still say he roams the woods and warned not to walk along Old North Road at night for fear of being taken by the Bulldog Man. I believe it. I believe it, too. That's crazy. But why would they do that? Huh? Because they probably didn't expect him to turn out looking like that. They should have just sent him somewhere else. They should have just took him to the damn hospital. Yeah. And dropped him off. If they was, I mean, something. something. At least the people in the hospital would have took him in or and did, did something. And then they would have got him some help. Now, this is called the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. The hell? The Mad Gasser. The story of this terrifying attacker begins with... Botart Country, it begins in Botart Country, Virginia. A series of attackers rocked the rural area to its core. Rather than the typical home invasion, robbery, or even murder that is regularly thought of due to the media, this person would flood people's homes with an unknown gas. The series of attacks in Virginia set the community ablaze. People were piling into one another's homes hoping to have safety in numbers <coughs> while others took to the streets at night to find the assailant. Mm. A handful of times throughout the attacks produced evidence and even less a dark the figure, wait a minute, this is not even right, it says produce evidence and even less. A dark the figure ugh, the dark figure was spotted fleeing the area. Due to attackers' ability to evade officers, officers, law enforcement eventually dubbed the gasser as being non-existent and that the attacks were nothing more than the effects of mass hysteria. People involved in the attacks included certain police officers and they were not convinced. The victims suffered nausea, dizziness, shortness of breath, occasional burning or lungs or eyes, headaches sometimes for days after the attack. <clears throat> the evidence consisted of nails that were removed from the windows in order for them to be open. People also reported seeing a stranger vapor enter their homes. One officer by the name of Lemon, who repeatedly investigated the crimes, found footprints leading away from the crime scene on three separate occasions. Each time, the footprint was that of a woman's shoe. One victim reported seeing a figure dressed in all black flee to a car. When Lemon investigated the area where the car was parked, he found the same female footprint. Mm. This attacker was never given an official name, and these attacks were committed in 1933 to 1934. The Gasser of Mattoon was dubbed in 1944 and was named after the small rural town in Illinois, which this time was the only town where attacks were committed. The Mattoon attacks were much more frequent, up to four times within five days. Each person was reported as feeling sick and being paralyzed for a short amount of time. Things began to horribly escalate as the FBI tried to determine the type of gas being used, and the police attempted to hold back armed citizens seeking justice. At this point, the mad gasser was dubbed imaginary, and the case was said to be, be mass hysteria. On September 13th, Bertha Bench and her son Orville was attacked. Orville noticed the room in the house filling quickly with visible gas. 
The two were able to escape the house with minimal consequences. They described the attacker as a tall woman dressed in, a, in man's clothes. The next day, authorities investigated the scene. They found footprints made by high heels, the same footprints that were found in Virginia 10 years earlier. Though the two incidents were said to be entirely separate, one cannot help to think that the Virginia assailant is one and the same yeah. with the mad gasser Matum. I mean, again. <clears throat> That's really crazy. That was just a mystery. That was a mystery, wasn't it? So this one is Crybaby Bridge over Calioca. So most of us have us have a version of Crybaby Bridge yeah. near enough to our home to go and inspect. Because we got a Crybaby Bridge yeah. too. Inspect it. We pull up, shut off our headlights, and sit in silence hoping to each to catch a faint sound of a crying baby. Or perhaps uh-huh. we want to see the visible handprints on the back bumper that is left by the child who pushes the car when it is placed in neutral. Yeah. <clears throat> but most often the stories accumulate in nothing, leaving the, lo- leaving the lot of us disappointed. The crybaby bridge of Sarah Land, Alabama has a story that adds much to the tale and makes a person curious about whether or not it's true. Down Calioca Road stands an old plantation of the same name. The house has been used for many horror movies including Get Out, Tales of Hauntings and Ghosts and Circle the Manor. Most common is a woman in white who will often be seen walking from room to room lighting candles in the windows of the house. Another notable spirit is that of a slave, which was seven feet tall, stalking the grounds of the plantation. These two spirits are tied together by the legend of the Crybaby Bridge. Who that? Big Liz? I don't know. But we're going to get more on this on the next episode. This is definitely to be continued. Unless you want to do it. Huh? Unless you want to take the time. Oh, we'll be running out of time. Yeah. Oh. But if not, we'll definitely continue this story. Yeah. Once again, thanks to Emily. Thanks, Emily, for your story. And thanks, listeners, for listening. This is Walter. And Tiki. (laughs) This is Real Ghost Stories. Five real people. I hate when you say it at the end. It's always so weird. (laughs)